Joining us now on our Book Talk segment, great to welcome. Man has written a book that uh, answers some questions uh, about uh, dealing with uh, politics, uh, particularly in the office and the workplace. It's called The Office Politics Handbook, Winning the Game of Power and Politics at Work. We're joined today by uh, Jack Godwin. Uh, you may remember his name, too, from a book he wrote a couple of years ago called uh, Clintonomics, and he joined us by a telephone today from out in uh, California. And uh, Jack, good to talk with you. How are you today? Hello, Doug. Great to be with you. Yeah, good to have a chance to uh, to talk with you for a couple of minutes. I re- read through the book, and I guess everybody who's ever had a, a job in an office, and it doesn't have to be necessarily in an office, but uh, you've been through a lot uh, with uh, politics at one time or another, probably some good and probably some bad, right? <laughs> well, I'm a political scientist, and, and after I finished Clintonomics, that was in 2009, I I said, uh, how, about, how about a book about politics for the rest of us, not uh, presidents and prime ministers, but people who have to work for a living because everybody has to deal with it whether you like it or not yeah that, that term office politics uh, it tends to have kind of a negative connotation but i mean if you if you do it right i guess it, it can be an advantage to you right you got to learn what the tricks are exactly now what does it mean doing it right this is not a book about uh, setting traps or playing mm-hmm. dirty tricks on your co-workers it's about recognizing politics as a, as a as an essential part of human nature uh, building some defensive strategies, not really going on attack. That's not what it's about. It's also about leadership and how not to politicize situations. In my my way of thinking, politics is about power. And any situation, any relationship gets politicized the moment power is introduced. So how do you avoid doing that when you don't have to do it? And, and, and the best you know, politicians, the ones that are probably most successful, are the ones that work with, you know, a win-win situation. You know, you get something good, I get something good out of the, out of the transaction of, of power, I guess. Now that's, that's the ideal situation, right? Right. Well, I mean, there are some great uh, politicians or, or office politicians, but let's pick a Republican and a Democrat. Who, who has, among the Democrats, you can see uh, Bill Clinton has a great deal of skill at the executive level and at the interpersonal level. But he also had the most powerful job. Mm-hmm. On the Republican side, let's take Dick Cheney. Um, excellent political skills, but his job as vice president had no power. And yet, he was able to make his will prevail for eight years. If you were a mentor, would you not want to teach your protege that? And, and vice versa, if you were a protege and your mentor knew it, knew the, the tools of the trade, isn't that something you'd want to learn? Yeah. Yeah, I always thought it would be interesting to have a, a course in high school and, and then again in college, obviously, if you, if you, if you want to take it, but uh, uh, to learn more about this, you know, how to, not necessarily you know, how to get it, you know, how to trick people, but just to learn, the, you know, what, what to do, uh, you know, how to kind of negotiate better. I, I, I think that would be a good class for people to have, you know, in your exactly. high school years. Exactly. This is a skill you can learn, political skill, and you mentioned negotiation. It's a, it's a micro-level skill just like that learning how to negotiate, how to be a good communicator, how to be a good public speaker. These are all tools that any executive, and really I would say anybody at any level in an organization should know. We already expect executives to have have political skills externally, dealing with uh, shareholders or uh, government regulators and whatnot. Uh, This is like internal politics, how to be good at that, how not to politicize, uh, situations that shouldn't be in order to get everybody working toward the common goal of the organization. 
you talk about it in the book. You give different descriptions of you know types of you know, political types in the book. But I, I guess just to kind of give an outline, what 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 what's the worst type of uh, office politics, what, and what, what's the best? <laughs> well, what you're talking about is the archetypes, yeah. and there are eight of them. And I, you know, they all have positive and negative uh, aspects. But what what I could, archetypes are are symbols in concentrated form. They they uh, transcend culture. They transcend organizations. I mean, I work in a university, but they're not specific to universities or the private sector or government agencies. Now, the point of the archetypes is it's all about pattern recognition. It's all about recognizing the uh, the moves, if you will, of a certain archetype. Uh, you may recognize them in yourself. You may rec- recognize one or more of the archetypes in colleagues or your boss. But it's like playing chess. In, in this way, uh, chess is a combination of one-time calculation and general pattern recognition. Mm-hmm. When you're a beginner, it's mostly one-time calculation, 80%, 20% general pattern recognition. As you get better, you, you begin to recognize all the patterns for the most part, and right. it's 80%. This is, the, the archetypes are shorthand. You can really see them, see them very quickly when you study them, and, as I say, recognize them. When you walk into a room, it doesn't take long to figure out who's who. Yeah, and then there are, I guess, certain situations, if, you know, if you're in one type and you run into another person that's the same type, that, that's, that's when you get a little fireworks, right? <laughs> you both try to do the well, same not thing. not necessarily. No? Not necessarily. Um, part of the, a big part of the book is about self-control, and that is mm-hmm. policing your own bad habits. It's much like uh, the broken window theory of police work. One broken window sends a signal that no one cares, and no one will care about a second broken window. So you police minor transgressions, and you police your own behavior so that you don't inadvertently politicize situations that shouldn't be. As I said, it's it's a a big chunk of the book is about how to lead, Mm -hmm. not necessarily how to be good at power games. Uh, But the idea that you can defend yourself is important, and, and that's where the archetypes fit in. Because you can read the field, uh, read the players, uh, calculate uh, power relationships, calculate the costs of uh, taking no action, and then decide what you're what you're going to do. All in the span of say a few seconds. And um, this is the beauty of the archetypes; they they accelerate that process of pattern recognition. Yeah. Now, obviously, the you know, the workplace is changing a lot now more people are working you know remotely or at home the whole office structure really is is changing does that change uh, office politics at all well i would say um i would say no I, you know that's a good question though i didn't really think about that aspect really what what i'm talking about is people who have to interact personally every day mm-hmm. not the telecommuters the 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 uh, best example i could give would be the the big meeting around the conference table that's quite formal and there are people of various ranks and right. people sitting sitting next to each other and so on. Um, this is a, a situation where it really serves you to have some political skill. Yeah, you, you, you can talk to people, you know, water cooler or wherever, lunch, and, and it's a different atmosphere. You get in behind that table, around that table, you just see that all the, uh, the different attitudes change, right? How, how people behave differently in that. It's, it's, they it's do. Fun, it's fun to watch they, sometimes. <laughs> it, 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 well, if you're an expert in office politics, it can be fun. 
But the, again, the idea is to make the world a better place, one cubicle at a time. Right. And I think you can do this, not not to be nasty with your coworkers. It's much like uh, being in a marriage. Instead of thinking about how to get out of it, <laughs> think about how to make it last forever. And that's that's what you can do. You can really have a great influence in your organization by by helping other people depoliticize it. It make it can make more people more productive and make the organization a better place for everybody. Your your coworkers, even your boss. And that's the key there. Might might, might get you a raise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You have to be hardworking and smart and educated. But in this in this super competitive marketplace, it doesn't hurt to have a little political skill. No. Well, the name of the book is The Office uh, Politics Handbook. We've been talking with uh, Jack Godwin today. And, uh, Jack, uh, you got a website that can get a hold of uh, you or the book? Well, you can uh, find the book at uh, Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com, or you can go straight to the publisher, uh, CareerPress.com, and find an indie bookshop near you. Great information in the book and great tips. And, Jack, appreciate you taking a few minutes uh, tonight to join us and uh, uh, head out this way to Sarasota sometime. Let us know. We'll, we'll have you on again. Thank you, Doug. Stan Brock. 30 years ago, I formed Remote Area Medical to help people overseas. But then we found generations of families in America isolated by poverty from the health care they need. Together, we can take dental, vision, and medical help to a million adults and their kids right here at home in the United States of America.